Jesus Christ came to earth with a very different purpose than most people suppose. Learn about his message and how it unlocks your incredible human potential. Next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Christ's ministry on this earth did not revolve around himself, but it revolved around his Father. Many people disbelieve that. And if you look at John 1 and verse 18, it states that Christ came to this earth to declare his Father. Now, we obviously do follow Christ's example, he commanded that. But still, Jesus Christ declared the Father. And did you know that there's only a little flock of people that actually believe this? this gospel message, because it is the gospel, and it all revolves around the Father. And it's the most majestic, royal vision there is in the Bible, and it ought to stir us mightily. If we truly understand it, it will. Notice verse 18 of John 1. John 1 and verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. So Christ led His disciples to declare the Father. Now, He certainly, uh, from that time forward, commanded all of us to declare the Father throughout the all of the seven eras of His church from that time to the Second Coming. That is, from the First Coming to the Second Coming. Christ continues to deliver that message in His church today, and it's really critical that we see why Christ declared the Father. Why did He do that? Why did He deliver the message that way? Notice verse 1 of this chapter, John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you notice here, there are only two gods, only two. And this is at the very beginning, before God even started creating the angels. The very beginning. And if you have the two gods, and one is a spokesman for the God government, and the Father is the supreme ruler of the kingdom or the family. Now, John just tells us when the father and son vision really begins, and it begins right here in this chapter. But it says that the Word was with God. That's not just a preposition there. That actually means that He was with Him and intimate with Him, and they were unified and always unified throughout eternity. Now, that is the example that God and the Son have set for mankind. There's God and Son now. It was God and the Word. But now it's God and the Son. Even that God and the Word was a God family in that sense, but John 1 tells us when the God family began, and God opened it up to many, many sons, billions of people. If you look at all the people that have lived on this earth, and those that don't know about the message of God, they're going to be resurrected and given an opportunity to know God. 
and to see this vision the way it really is. If they don't get it this time around, God will certainly give them a chance, one chance, <laughs> to uh, make that decision to be with God. So it's quite an example here for humanity, but just think about all of the, the unity and the love throughout all eternity. God and the, and the Son, God and the Word have never, ever had a fight or a brawl against each other. They've always been perfectly united. That in itself ought to tell you what's wrong with this earth. Look at the division all over the earth. Look at the hatred and, and the fighting and warring throughout the history of man. God says He and the Word, and or He and the Father and the Son, never ever had, had disagreements as you see in this world. Never. And they were all united in what they wanted to do. But notice verses 10 and 12, it says this, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So God has given us the power, it also mean, it does mean power, but it also means right. We have a birthright to be born into the kingdom or family of God. And it's a family. He talks about the sons of God that are going to be born into that family. What a gift God is giving us. Sons of God, God beings, born right into the very family of God. And God says, now I'll, I've I'll give you the power to become a son of God. It takes power. You can't do it humanly. It takes the Spirit of God to do that. Power, real power. And God provides that. So we are to be born into God's family. That's what that birthright is. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. In other words, Christ was born of a woman whom God had begotten, and that's why it says He was the only begotten of the Father. The Father only did that one time to His own Son. He introduced the God family. See, now it's, now it's Father and it's Son, and it's, He's opened that up to billions of people if they want it. And of course, they, most of them will. But think about a, a, what a blessing that's going to be. Let me read verse 18 all the way through again. No man has seen God at any time. Uh, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. But no man has seen God at any time. Let me just quote from Herbert W. Armstrong's book, Mystery of the Ages. It says, The Word, then, is a personage who was made flesh, begotten by God, and through this latter begettal became His Father. Yet at that prehistoric time of the first verse of John 1, the Word was not yet the Son of God. He divested Himself of His glory as a spirit divinity to be begotten as a human person. He was made God's Son through being begotten or sired by God and born of the Virgin Mary. So here is when they became Father and Son. 
But just think about that. Here, God is opening up His family to us, and we are actually sons of God, brothers of Christ, the bride of Christ, and we're going to be born as God beings. Now, that is the good news of the gospel. The good news is the coming kingdom or family of God. That's the good news. And that all revolves around the Father because the Father is the head of the family. That, that is basic. See, what does the Father have to do with the, the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news of the coming family of God. And the Father is the head. If you don't get, bring the Father into it and declare Him, well, you miss the, uh, the point, and you fail to get the vision. Everything is going to revolve around the Father. Jesus Christ said, My Father is greater than I. Yes, He, he continually made statements like that, and He's going to do everything He can just to please the Father. That's the attitude He had. But notice verse 18, I just want to read one line here. No man has seen God at any time. Now, what is that all about? This world has never seen the Father. Never. And this is why some religious people will believe in just one God, because they've never seen the Father. They've seen Christ when He came in the flesh, but even in the Old Testament, some of the prophets did get to see a sliver of, 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 the, uh, of Melchizedek, which was the God that became Jesus Christ. But they've never seen the Father, never. And there's a reason why. There is a reason why. But there is a little flock that still today, and must until the second coming of Christ, declare the Father, and then, of course, help Christ declare the Father throughout all eternity, for that for that matter. So Christ built God's church and said that this little flock would never die. It would never die. Now that's a promise from God, and so we have to believe that, or this is going to be meaningless to us. Incidentally, if you want to know about this Melchizedek, that is explained in our book on Mystery of the Ages by Herbert Armstrong. And also in my booklet on Hebrews, it's very carefully explained there as well. We have to build this work around uh, the Father, but I want to read to you something that most people do not understand. Here's what it reads in Genesis 3 and verse 22. And the eternal God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the eternal God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life." Now, Adam and Eve had a command to eat only from that symbolic tree of life. Only that tree should they eat from, but, uh, well, they didn't like that. They wanted to eat from the other tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was really the tree of death. Uh, 
So Adam had a chance here to replace Satan as ruler on this earth. That's just an awesome opportunity. Now you know from if you look at Second Corinthians four and verse four that uh, Satan is the god of this world, and if you look at Revelation twelve and verse nine, he has deceived the whole world. So Adam could have had that position, and he certainly would have got to know the Father, and uh, things would have been tremendously different. Exactly the opposite of the way they are. But Adam and Eve rejected that, and so what has been the end result when you think about it? What has been the end result? Herbert Armstrong wrote this after Adam and Eve had rebelled. And remember, John six and verse forty-four says, "Only those that are come to Christ that are begotten by the Father." Now let me give you just a short quote from Mr. Armstrong here, Herbert Armstrong's book. Uh, Mystery of the Ages, actually. Here's what he wrote. When God drove out the man from the Garden of Eden and barred re-entrance, lest he go back and receive eternal life in sin, God pronounced sentence. Now you need, He really did. He, he sentenced man. This is a, a, a powerful three verses here that men today don't understand, but God sentenced man because of the way Adam went, he just let Eve lead the family. And he said, All right, I'm going to just cut you off from me for 6,000 years, and that's a sentence of punishment for this rebellion. Now, you need to think about that. Mr. Armstrong didn't even understand this himself until the very end of his life, fully understand it. But it means, look, if man wants to go that way, he let Adam and Eve lead them. Now, he did have prophets throughout the ages that gave them a chance to change course, but they didn't do it. That is, Israel didn't do it. But God said, well, all right, you go ahead and you produce your own knowledge. You, you produce your own educational system, your own religious system, your own uh, forms of uh, civilization and society, lifestyles, and so on. And so it leads and led to what we see in the world today, all the vanity and the lust and the violence and the horror that you see in this world. God sentenced man to experience this because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. And if you look at the history of Israel, they kept right on rebelling, and of course, the rest of humanity did as well, but Israel was supposed to set an example for the rest of the world, and they failed God in that way, because everybody in time is going to be a part of Israel. But think about that, 6,000 years just cut off from God, and that's what this world has been. Look at the fruits. Look what has happened. They have to reap what they sow. Israel was not uh, didn't have the Holy Spirit and didn't have the opportunity to receive salvation in the Old Testament setting. But today, God just lets man, okay, you want to be self reliant? Go ahead. I'll show you what's going to happen. You go ahead and go your own way. Let me give you another quote from Herbert Armstrong. Upon Adam's making this fateful and fatal decision, God closed off the tree of life. 
Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24, from the world sired by Adam for 6,000 years, that is, except in the case of chosen prophets for the writing of the Bible, that is, the Old Testament, and of the church called out of this world by Jesus Christ. But even Jesus said plainly, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Only a little flock believes that. Only those people can come to Christ if the Father has drawn them. The Father begets the children. That's the way it is in a family. He begets children, and He should be the head of the family according to God's plan. And you don't see that in this world today, but nevertheless, it is the way God has ordained it and must be before people can enter into His family. But just think about even uh, Christ Himself. You think about this. If you think this is a message that a lot of people are going to be keeping, millions of them, or thousands of uh, many, let's say many thousands, certainly God, God's church has a few times had quite a large number of people, certainly in the thousands. But uh, Christ, at the end of His ministry, had 120 people, 120 people that believed what He was taught. Can you imagine that? This, this is a Son of God, the great Word, spokesman for the God family, the Creator of mankind. God the Father did it through Him, but Christ did the creating. And He had 120 followers. Now, He talks about a little flock, a little flock. He had a strong message, and people weren't prepared for that at all, but that's the way it's been throughout history. Most people have rejected this, this calling of the Father. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few, a little flock, he says. So, what are we to make of all this? The whole world is deceived. So, salvation was not given to man throughout this 6,000 years, and that 6,000 years is almost up. And I, I believe that I can absolutely prove that uh, within a decade, Jesus Christ will be ruling this earth. Now, we have a booklet on great again, and I'd like you to read that and, and, and see what I'm talking about, but I don't have time to get into that now. But absolutely, Christ said, now you, you, you must know when this is at the door. You, you must know by seeing everything around you and knowing your Bible, and if you do that, you'll know when it's at the door. We have to know that. We don't know the day or the hour, but just the day or the hour. But we'd better know when it's at the door. That's what Christ said. Herbert Armstrong wrote, The closing of the tree of life from the human family marked the foundation of the present world still ruled invisibly by Satan. Christ was that sacrificial lamb. And every, every human being is, was called to die once. <laughs> and uh, those who die and never 
new God are going to be resurrected. That's what the great throne of judgment is all about at the end of the millennium. And they're go every one of them are get going to get to know God, billions and billions of people. That's the future of mankind. That is a future of tremendous hope. When you talk about the world, they often don't really even get into that. Traditional Christianity doesn't get into that resurrection as they should, for sure. Notice what it says in Malachi 1 and verse 6. Here's what's happened to God's church in this end time. Ninety-five percent of God's own little flock has turned away from Him. This is not an easy message always to keep, but it's the most wonderful, hope-filled, glorious way of life a human being could ever live. And the other life is frankly not worth living compared to this. So where did they fail? Well, here's where they failed, God's people. He said, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? He says that to his own Laodicean or lukewarm people, and he's saying it to the entire world. If I'm a father, where is my honor? A father should be honored. And a father of love certainly should be honored. Perfect love. And his, he gave his only begotten son to this world to be savagely beaten so we could be healed and to die and shed his blood to pay for our sins. The Creator is worth more than His creation, so He can pay for all of our sins. What a, an honor and what a blessing! Well, if you look at the history of, uh, of all of the colleges that uh, Samuel and Elijah and Elisha had uh, and raised up, and they built an institution that taught about the family of God, even then, but few people understood it, even fewer then than now. But we are the first fruits called out ahead of time, and Christ and God the Father want us to help teach the whole world this message and declare the Father to the entire world and to every human being who has ever lived on this earth. That's why we are called to deliver this message today. And I tell you, it, there's no greater opportunity than that. Christ says through Malachi in chapter 1 and verse 11, says, My name shall be great among the Gentiles. My name, the Father, is going to be great among the Gentiles. And they're going to see that they're, they're here on this earth to be born into the very family or kingdom of God. That is the gospel. The best news human beings could ever possibly receive. Isaiah 30 and verse 20 talks about we're going to have teachers that they're not going to be put in a corner anymore. They're going to be teaching the world, and it's going to, they're going to receive so much truth that it'll be like the ocean beds filled with water then. That's what it's all going to be like. Christ said in His last prayer, just before His crucifixion, He said, I have declared unto them your name, Father. He's talking to His Father. O righteous Father, 
I have declared unto them your name. They know you're a father, the head of the family, and all of them have an opportunity to be born into the very family of God. Now, this is all at the very heart. It is the very gospel of God. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. Jesus Christ came to earth with a very different purpose than most people suppose. Learn about His message and how it unlocks your incredible human potential. Christ came to earth to declare the Father, the God family. He didn't come here to declare Himself as this world believes. That deception is why this world doesn't understand God's plan for mankind. They're in the dark, and so were most of God's own people. Request Gerald Flurry's free book, The God Family Vision, to discover the only message that will fill you with hope. It's about bringing God's government and peace to the whole universe. No subject has been more misunderstood than the very nature of God. Most who claim to be followers of Christ believe God is a trinity, yet how many have actually tried to prove the trinity doctrine according to God's inspired word, the Holy Bible? What does the Bible have to say on the subject of the Trinity? You might be surprised. Request our free booklet, God is a Family, for the truth about the nature of God. Also request Gerald Flurry's free book, John's Gospel, The Love of God. John's Gospel discusses many foundational and deep subjects the other Gospels don't. He was the only writer to explain who the Word was and why His sacrifice should inspire us forever. No gospel writer describes the God family vision as John does. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request The God Family Vision, God is a Family, and John's Gospel, The Love of God. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request The God Family Vision, God is a Family, and John's Gospel, The Love of God. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. If you would prefer to write, send your request to The Key of David, P.O. Box 3700, Edmond, Oklahoma 73083. If you would prefer to write, send your request to The Key of David, P.O. Box 3700, Edmond, Oklahoma, 73083. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.